Hello, Internet, and welcome back to episode 49 of Kent Your Own Risk, where Kent, Kevin, and Chris are going to be talking about the finale of the Phantasm series, Phantasm V, Ravager, and probably shoot a little shit afterwards. Kent, why don't you, uh, why don't you bring this one home for us, buddy? Yeah, so as we were just kind of discussing, I was the idiot that's like, hey, I'll just do part five and you guys do the other ones. And uh, I, I guess it's because I've seen this movie. I kind of knew what I was getting into. Um, this movie, I, I, I feel it's safe to say this movie can be interpreted a, a few different ways, perhaps. Uh, I would go so far as to say this is almost just as much a drama as it is a horror movie in some weird ways. Uh, it's weird. But uh, I think the most difficult aspect of this is, pri- prior to this one, I think the most difficult aspect of writing blogs and reviews of this stuff was uh, you know, trying to keep keep track of time frames and what's real, what's fake. And the other biggest thing was, you know, when Jody was the ball versus when Jody was a person. Uh, th- those were the things. But here, I... Uh, quite essentially, I'm not even going to go like chronological order. The, the crux of this is that we have, I think we have three or four... Three, I think we have three different timelines happening here, if I'm not mistaken. We have Reggie... In the desert, up to meeting Dawn, we have war-torn Red World, and then we have world where Reggie has dementia, is in a hospital, and shares a hospital room with the tall man, potentially. And I'm not even sure if that really happened. And I'm not sure what I, at the end of the day, you could make the argument that Reggie is just a crazy fucking none of this happened because of the way that it ended. But then if you go by the way that it ended, maybe we are in the red fucking world. So we know that story-wise, Reggie comes out of the desert, some asshole steals his barracuda, and I, actually, that was a really fun setup probably the most fun aspect of this whole movie was that scene where, you know, Reggie pulls out the gun and strips the guy down to his banana hammock and, you know, leaves him. And I thought to myself, based on where they are filming, that poor dude had to lay on that hot-ass pavement. That couldn't have felt good. Just couldn't have. Uh, Moving on, he meets uh, Dawn... Dawn brings him to her house, which doesn't have the normal architecture of the Phantasm series. Uh, And he's into her, but she's definitely not into him. She may have had second thoughts about inviting him up, but, you know, he was happy making a song about a woman whose name he forgot. And she also has a Bulgarian farmhand named Demeter. And... 
the next after after you know the nighttime stuff, you know she comes down. He's sleeping. She covers him with an afghan. The afghan was really nice looking, by the way. Next morning, Reg goes upstairs, sees you know spear in her spear Cuisinart in her head, and you know he's going to get attacked. Him and Demeter they they hang out in a barn. They see a horse get gotten. That was a pretty graphic scene, quite frankly. I. It, it was one of the more graphic scenes of the franchise w- with the horse. Um, there was a, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it comical. It was interesting how they did it where Demeter swatted a sphere. And I, I don't know. I think what we were led to believe is he swatted the sphere into Reggie's gun and it ricocheted off the gun right back at Demeter and got him in the throat. Is that how you guys interpreted that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so Demeter gets gotten. Gosh, I don't remember much else from that particular timeline. There might have been more. I I, I don't know. Um, but and that basically we, it basically ends at the point where he's walking through the woods and he sees the giant sphere overhead and then he sees the two portals okay. right in front of him. Yeah. Okay. So so then we have like Red World. Which is basically what, you know, I, I think, you know, when they see the portals, they see the red world, they see, like, I don't know, they're kind of calling them aliens, uh, whatever. Like, the spheres have taken over, the tall man's taken over, there are some people rebelling, um, some uh, uh, Dawn, who now goes by the name of Jane, and uh, this little dude named Chunk come and uh, rescue Reggie. He was on, like, a table or gurney. He was getting tortured for, I don't know, information. Uh, Interestingly enough, the two things that were above his head, I I was saying, like, shock treatment, but those two cylinders looked like miniature versions of the portals. Anyway, they rescue him, and throughout tons and tons of flipping back and forth in time, uh, we find out that Mike is he may not be in charge of this rebel group, but he definitely has some sway. He's there, and they try to make their escape. There's some random bullshit going on, and there's like a fucking... There, there's obviously fights and, and whatnot. Uh, it, but it's kind of cut in a really weird way. Uh, and, and they do make it out of there eventually. Not all of them alive, Uh but that, I guess that kind of goes towards the ending here. Anyway, you have that. You have that world, and then you have this world that feels the most real, where all of a sudden you're questioning, has this whole thing been in Reggie's head? Did the tall man make bring Reggie to an alternate dimension where Reggie just has dementia? And he did experience this stuff, but he experienced it in a different timeline, different world. I, I don't know, but in this world, it's sad. Mike visits his friend, like, once a week, it kind of sounded like. Um, and Reggie would kind of slip in and out of sh- thought and stream of thinking uh, to these various timelines. And it kept jumping and jumping back and forth. I I don't know, if you if you took a drink every time that I switched time, you would possibly be pretty trash. And this is only like an 80-minute movie. Uh, 
But I, I don't know. The scene, there's many scenes that got to me. I, I think my favorite had to be where Reggie talked to the tall man while they were in their hospital beds. Um, apparently, in real life, they disagreed on the dialogue uh, and had some heated conversations, but they got through it. Uh, and sadly, this is the last film that... Uh, you know, Angus Scrim's in this. He saw it right before he died. I don't know, days or weeks before he died. Um, and eventually, Jody shows up in this world, and they're both Mike and him hold hold Reggie's hands while he looks to be dying. But then Reggie's in the back seat of the Barracuda, and the Barracuda is now this badass post-apocalyptic fucking thing out of like the new dawn of the dead or you know some shit like that it's got some fucking twin gatling guns and it's kind of like this weird peaceful happiness so you don't know what's real it reminded me a lot of the walking dead episode where tyrese dies because tyrese is dying and he's in the backseat and he's having all these weird memories and stuff it's very similar to that um and, and we kind of end it in, in the Red World, in the Barracuda. Um, and Rocky makes an appearance. Chunk appeared to sacrifice himself by exploding himself on the tall man, but he comes out of a portal. He's missing a fucking hand, but, you know, otherwise he's good. He's trying to grab Rocky's tits. Everybody's in the Barracuda. They drive off and, you know, we're all have fucking Independence Day Part 3. I, I Wait, wait, are you telling me there's an after credit scene? Yeah. Yeah. I fucking completely missed that. You just stop it. <laughs> oh, you missed him grabbing her tit? You missed Rocky. I missed, I missed Dude, Rocky. Dude, it was like 20 and, seconds and Chunk in. grabbing her tit. Yeah, so what? Chunk makes it out alive. He crawls out. He's missing a hand. And he makes a joke like, the funny thing about grenades is that you get APA'd and cauterized at the same time, which I thought was kind of a good line. Um... And yeah, they kind of just, I don't want to say drive off into the sunset, but you know, that's, that's the last thing is that they're in the red world and fuck man. I, so I, I'm, I'm going to just leave the floor open to you guys. What, what was real and what wasn't real? And was there actually, did Reggie get put into an alternate dimension? So he did have dementia or did all these things actually happen? That is a good question. I will say I, I agree with what you say about the the dementia, or I like the fact that they gave him dementia, and they really lean into this movie took way too long to be made, and they're all old now, with the hospital bed scene, and him having dementia, and him being kind of like the, you know the quirky old man picking up the hitchhiker girl. Like it's not even close to, you know, she's not even close to as interested <laughs> as, uh, as she would have 20 years ago or someone would have been in Reggie 20 years ago. Um, and he seems a lot more harmless in that regard in, in this one, uh, even before me too. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. I, it, as I was telling Chris, uh, in between episodes, like it's hard to put together all of the things that are that do make it into the film. 
Uh, I did get goosebumps though when it was when they were in the back of that muscle car, the Cuda. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's sad, it, right? Like that was an actual stomach punch. Sad. Moment. I actually fucking. Not no, but I had, fish, yeah, but, I had some know. really. I had some. I had a little bit of feelings, you know, like like almost goosebumps. But it was more than I thought because it is mostly feels like a bad movie. It's not directed by Don Coscarelli. It is written and produced by him, but it it has you know it has a way cheaper feel to it um, than the other ones. Do it really? It does. See, it feels like week. it feels like <laughs> yeah. a you know an R you know uh, unedited version of a sci-fi movie. Like and like sci-fi could have funded this and probably give them more money, but it wouldn't have had the blood and the you know the the full-on violence and language that it has. Um, it's weird though, like in a heartwarming, not heartwarming, a, a dramatic type movie, like this is the most drama we probably get mm-hmm. aside from maybe part one. Like, there's a lot of feelings, but yet then we have this real cheap sci fi feel that really is such a stark contrast that kind of sometimes feels like it undoes the things that it was trying to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that's kind of what yeah. the first one does to itself without, without, the mirror sequence yeah. of Mikey going through the mirror at the end and that it wasn't a dream. So I, you know, I have to feel that of course these things happened and maybe through the different. Yeah. I, I'm about to repeat what you said. The different dimensions give you dementia, uh, that, it, that said so, so well, um, uh, Chris, go ahead. All right. Okay. So, Phantasm Ravager has the dubious distinction of being the cheapest movie I've ever... Like, I, I, it feels like they spent less money on this than, like, sci-fi does on some other fucking direct-to-video shit. Uh, as Kent was saying, you know, the, part of the horse scene is, like, one of the most brutal scenes that you get in the entire series. And then there's a part of the scene where Reggie is looking out the barn at the horse, and you can see that the wall that he's looking through is corrugated cardboard that has just been spray painted a reddish orange color. Um, the 3d effects for the blood shots or the honey mustard shots from the dudes are, they reminded me of what you saw from the, hold on, give me one second. I have to see what year this came out. Yeah. 2016? No, 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 not, not the movie, the, what I'm going to compare it to. They look like the blood shots that you got from the 1994 shooting game Revolution X with Aerosmith or as the, uh, you, the one where you would shoot the CDs yeah. as your grenades. Like, yeah, it, no, in the yeah. arcade and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was that bad. Uh, this movie, and you, you can see, too, that I guess they started filming it in 2008 as a series of shorts, and then finished filming, you know, up to when it was released in 2016. Uh, and you can see that there's a difference because for sure at the beginning portion, when Reggie is wandering through the desert, he is physically younger than he is in several of the scenes where they're going through the dementia portion. Um, so the camera also yeah. looks like a higher, be- like a better quality camera for that s- series, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, you can see places where it goes in and out of being like film decent, filmed poorly, film decent, film poorly. Oh, now we have to shoot this in the dark in a like a couple hallways in a warehouse in order to, you know, maximize our budget kind of thing. Um, it had the potential to be one of the most, well, a memorable horror movie, you know, especially if they had managed to do like a, like deep reach into like dementia and the, the lip service is there, but it, it fails in the end. Um, like you, you said, Kent, this is, the first one was like a surreal fever dream. This one just feels disjointed, disjunct. You can see that it was meant to be uh, like a, a web series versus a movie originally, and then it was switched, shuffled together and retconned. And uh, like you said, like part of the Red World is supposed to be our world, but then there's another point where they actually go to the Red World, which is, you know, the, the Red World that you see in portions of one and two um you know there's a there are times when you know shit makes it there are callbacks like the music good callback we we actually get a couple scenes from the mausoleum used in the first one um the girl in lavender looked really good for her age i gotta give her props yeah for almost almost what 30 years later it was over yeah over 30 years later 79 well, yeah, yeah. depends on when almost. they filmed it, yeah. you know? So, I mean, <laughs> like Kevin said, Reggie comes off better in regards to, like, his womanizing. Like, and I felt bad for him, because if he had managed to stay awake for, like, another 15 minutes, he finally would have fucking gotten some in the series. But, you know, he, uh, the old, old man I just got him. Uh, which, I don't know, maybe he would have died if he had been up there with Dawn when she gets got... Um, I don't know. I, like, I'm appreciative that we got a finale for the series, but at the same time, it's such a letdown from from what we got. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I think it's almost safe to say that there's just a steady decline in quality from one to five. I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean... Just like most franchises, except this one only had good backing for one movie, and for what little money there was, they made good use of it. I would say for all of them. I but I the fact believe. the fact that you said that uh, Angus got to see it before he died that that feels good. You know, it, you know so Taker Undertaker was rumored to be in this movie, and I sit here and I watch. I go, there was no real place for him in this movie, and I wonder. If that rumor ever had any substance to it, could he have been the meter? Maybe, maybe, uh, yeah. Uh, that's it. I guess that's really the only role, unless they're gonna make him Don slash Jane. He he would have been sexy for that. Uh, dead sexy, or one of the gas the the gas mask guys. That'd yeah, be kind of a waste of his too, talent. Yeah. Kind of like what I mean. That'd be well, almost more of a waste of his talent than Suburban Commando, one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> No, that's not not as much of a that I remember seeing Suburban Command and I was such a huge wrestling fan, so it blew my mind to see The Undertaker in that movie and like not have really anything to do. I mean yeah. except Ginger for, Taker nonetheless. That was old school ginger. Yeah, so, yeah. so, uh, so I could see him being question. one of those guys. But yeah, I it, guess I know what you mean. 
what timeline do you think was... I'm assuming the first timeline that was filmed was Reggie in the desert and meeting Dawn. And then I'm guessing they filmed... I'm guessing they maybe did Red World next, and then they were like, well, we gotta tie it together, so now we're gonna do this dementia thing? Do, do you think that's I don't, the process? I don't know, though, because like part of meeting Dawn looks like it's shot on the one camera, and then like the portion when he goes to the barn looks like it's shot on another camera. So maybe the early stuff was just part of the web series shot with the good camera, and then they're like, well, we have something. We got a, only halfway done. Let's use the shitty and, camera to finish it out. And considering, like, to, to go to an earlier question that you had, I don't know what the fuck is going on at the end, but what I would like to pretend happens is when Mike is talking about the, the whole um, theory about multiverses, you know, being stacked on top of each other and being able to, like, in one the multiverse... thing? Yeah, in me- the membrane theory. In one of those universes, Reggie is still alive in the back of the Hemikuda with, uh, you know, um, Jody and Mike. And in another one, Reggie dies from dementia and, or, well, you know, just from age com- combined with the complications from the dementia. You know, and Jody and Mike are there for him. So, you know, in, in one universe... It's over, it's done, but in another one, you know, they're still continuing their adventures against the tall man, kind of thing. Could, all right, so I I did make a note. Could the dementia timeline have been, so mid mid to, I don't know, whatever, like middle of the movie, like, tall man gives him the ultimate, like, hey, I can bring your family back, you just gotta get the fuck out of my way, we're gonna go back to 79, and, you know, just... You get to your family. Just leave me with with the boy, you know. And he said, basically, he's like, you know, if you keep getting in my way, you know, something bad will happen. So I'm wondering if dementia timeline is like tall man living up to his "I'm going to fuck you over" since tall man can control all fucking space and time and whatever. Apparently, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, that was like the best theory I could come up with with the dementia thing was that that was just because Reggie refused to go along with the premise. It's so weird. It's, I, I wish this wasn't the final movie. I, I liked the ending. I, I liked seeing Reggie dry, right off in the Barracuda. Like that felt right. But well, simultaneously, this franchise deserved a better finale. I like the ending, but it feels like it, it's left open for a, yet another one. And I, you know what I mean? Like, sure. And they all do that. And we don't get one for like way down the road, but for where I would say from where the beginning of five starts and then all of that stuff, the dementia, the, you know, the red world and the, you know, Mikey's got a gun and Mike, Mike's got a gun and he's, they're like, you know, this underground, like, rebellion uh, it, where it ends i was i was surprised um the horse thing which was pretty cool also my favorite kill i didn't see that coming either and and so i, I this movie got major points like uh but it was bad it was confusing uh or didn't really flow in together like the the small, um, it was slow, like, and, and like the, there was cool scenes, but it was pretty slow. And the CGI 
you know, looked worse than the CGI they used in 94. How? How? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it was bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I cut it to the, the director because Don Coscarelli would have shot it on the same shitty camera, but he would have made like the scenes look more interesting. There would have been more camera movement. It would have had, you know, um, but you know, he's like, I'm just going to put the money up and write it and, you know, see what someone else does. David Hartman. This was the last writing credit that he has as of right now, Coscarelli. Although Bubba Nosferatu Curse of the She-Vampires is in development, supposedly. <laughs> I liked everything that just came out of my mouth. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, here's another question that probably goes along with, like, hospitals still being going. Um... So apparently, like, Reggie at one point is in a dimension where they're making, like, new guns and stuff because a lot of his weapons looked very, quote-unquote, modern. Oh, I, I loved how, like, we, we see him pulling out all of his weapons and none of them are any of the weapons, with the exception of the one pistol, that we've seen him carrying in any of the movies before. Like It's all modern, yeah. right? He, he jumps into the portal with his, his quad shotgun and then he's wandering around and he doesn't have it until the very end when... Uh, was it Mike or Jody tosses it to him? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Mike. Mike tosses Mike. it to him. Yeah, yeah. The only well, they didn't get creative with the weapons except for the machine gun muscle car that Jody shows up to in the yeah. very end. That's like the only real. Um, yeah, and they didn't even use the the four barrel shotgun. Um, I mean, he does to shoot the. Doctor and the two nurses who are now lurkers behind him. Well, yeah, we had to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I wonder if he was really shooting lurkers or if he just fucking murdered, you know, like, yeah, his doctor and the two nurses. Right? <laughs> he, he murdered the doctor and the two nurses. I, I'm pretty yeah. convinced of that, even though I'm not quite sure how you're going to explain how he got a gun out of thin air, but yeah. at this point, ex- explaining things... I mean, at one point, and this tells me that the guy, the director didn't fucking get the content. Because at one point, I want to say it was Girl in Lavender, when she gets shot, she has the honey mustard and she mm-hmm. has blood, red, coming out of her. That You never saw that the whole franchise until that very moment. That yeah. tells me they didn't get it. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Well, to explain everything away, I'm going to give you my best line. Uh, it's from Reggie in this books. I don't need a fucking four barrel shotgun is more like it. And that explains the complete story. All the plot holes, <laughs> all the plot holes in this series. And I'm okay with that. Uh, and uh, yeah. Oh, and in reality, what you were saying, Kent, like, you know, where, where did the four barrel shotgun come from? Like, and why wasn't it in his trunk before, which, Chris was talking about, like, in reality, you think he's just, like, an old folks home with, like, four plungers taped together, just, like, running around. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, he may have just, like, picked up a stick and, like, turned around, like, bang, bang. Like, just, <laughs> like, I don't know I love, what I love that yeah. picture. <laughs> he goes, he goes from, it goes from Cronenberg to Lynch, you know? One David to another. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, I like the ending. Also, Reggie had nunchucks. Yes. At the end. Or and doesn't use them? Yes. And a katana. 
Yeah. <laughs> Where that came from. Oh, and, and what the... What, all right. I, once again, I love, try, I love how worked up you're getting now. <laughs> all right. So, like, they're in the hospital, and Reggie, like, walks through, and, like, all of a sudden, at the end of the hallway, it's just this cave or cavern. And, and then, like, the ceiling falls in, and now he's, like, on a floating rock with the tall man, and... How the hell is one supposed to? Where, where are we supposed to take? It does that? feel like a dream sequence in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, where it just goes from one thing to another, and it, like you know, it. I it's worth revisiting now with with these questions. Trust me, I came in with a lot of these questions. I walk away. You know the dream sequence. You you bring up Nightmare on Elm Street, and I hate to reference this, but it does feel like the opening sequence in Nightmare on Elm Street too, where the bus is on the. You know, spire at the oh, end there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking I, even some of the stuff in like I mean the Dream Warriors in the asylum. I guess maybe like where it kinda like goes into and, and oh, actually yeah. any of them, like four where it like uh where they I think it's like where he's like the karate kid, the brother, right? Like and then like the added death sequence because they didn't they didn't the, I don't know what they were gonna do with it. And maybe it wasn't him, but like, doesn't he like goes from, it just goes from one setting to another very quickly, you know, and you all of a sudden you're in the, you know, we're in the caverns or whatever from the mausoleum to, you know, yeah. where you're all of a sudden back to the basement of the hospital or the, in, uh, Never on Elm Street, the asylum. The thing, the thing is they really, this movie tried with with the dementia, and I assume like they had a rough idea of dementia, and that's why they kept trying to flip the time and, and make it so strange. I wish if they were going to tackle the dementia thing, I wish they would have delved a little deeper. I think they could have they could have actually had a movie had they dived a little deeper into the dementia. It was a good idea, but it was never fleshed out. But it leaves enough for it to the movie can stand on its own without actually having to make sense. Movies making sense. That that's <laughs> yeah. not our forte here. It's it's fun. It was a fun way to end it. Uh it, it is almost so the way about it, I don't want to, you know, disrespect anyone who who loves this movie or made this movie because there's a a level of it that that I'm almost it's kind of embarrassing that they're making it. Right, um, all they got the whole band back back together, but they're playing, you know, cover songs, uh, you know, at the at the country bar. It feels like you know, but at the same time, I love it and I respect that they like created this thing and they they you know way too late 2016 people the the toxic fans that probably hate this fucking movie were the only ones to ask for it it. I give this a letter letter grade of a B because it's a solid B film, and honestly, I thought I thought it was going to be worse production wise. It's worse than say, uh, Freddy's Dead or Jason Goes to Hell, but in some ways, it's you know, it's not as silly as some of those, and it's pretty fun. Um, and they did really, really try with with the dementia thing. Not hard enough, but 
they definitely did add something, and I felt like every movie they did add things, even if they're not completely cohesive or coherent. What was the best scene? The opening where he fucks up the dude that still steals his car. Was that no that uh, the. Reggie and the tall man in the hospital beds, because they really commit to, like, they're way too old to be doing this. And then she lifts, and then he lifts up the hospital bed, and then we get the lavender lady, which is, I guess, in this sense, not actually the old man can turn into it. She is this other thing. Um, or was that all just a dream? But yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I loved that scene. It was it was really well done. You, we get to see Angus scrim. Uh, act in it. Uh, I wish they used more with Rocky in it because they had her at the end, uh, or at least I felt like the scene was even going to go a little bit further uh, rather than just getting in the car. So she would have been a cool addition yeah. to the Rebels early on. Like she didn't need to be a surprise at the end. She could have been there the whole time and would have added some extra flavor that was sorely missing from. Yeah, that timeline. Yeah, it would have it would have put it to another level. So I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a quick thing. So last time I saw this was probably about two years ago, maybe even a little longer. Um, and afterwards, I, I watched it with my friends Tom and Kaylee. And afterwards, I went out to the kitchen and we we'd had a good laugh at one of the early lines. And on my little whiteboard on my fridge. To this day, it still says in large letters, Rocket Pop. Because that was something that, uh, you know, he, Reg said, I don't know, probably like first 10, 15 minutes. In that line, I don't know why that stuck with us, but I have not erased Rocket Pop for well over two years. I don't even know if it can be erased from the whiteboard at this point. It may at, at, th- at this point, it's probably there permanently. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Like, that's my homage to Phantasm Ravager. Uh, so, yeah, this is, I don't know, this has to be considered the worst of the movie, but there is charm to it, yeah. I guess. They tried. I'll give, I'll give them that. They tried. There was effort and there was love by, at least love by the actors. The actors definitely put yeah, it's, their it's, all in it. It is, a, like I said before, it's a, it's a mixture of embarrassment and being, like, impressed at the same time. Um, and yeah, it definitely has its charm. It's got the DIY, you know, energy from the first one, you know, um, you know, much later on. And, but yeah, it's, it's the, it's definitely, I think it's the, the weakest of it. I think, uh, I think my, my, my favorite would be number three, number second favorite, number one. Uh, the original uh, three would be number two, and then four and five. Three, one, two, four, five. And overall, yeah, I did. It was it was kind of like, like quintessential it? in the fact that it was direct to video, but it was like made with a somewhat real budget, you know, two point five. Um, overall, I think uh, you know the series is probably a B plus. Um, what do you guys think of 
the series as a whole, because not only just this movie, but like compared to other franchises, it's 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 hard. It it definitely, like I said before, it goes downhill as you go. Um, it's its own thing, though. I it's it's non derivative. I mean, I'll give it that. You know, for the, the most part, what you're seeing is stuff pretty unique to to horror. Um, it's very influential. Uh, I'm glad we took the time to, to do this. You know, I, I had seen the uh, f- the first couple, and I hadn't seen the the latter two, and uh, it had been years since I had watched them in the first place. So I'm glad we we took the time to do this. Um, yeah, I wish I wish more people knew about it, especially at least the first one, in order to uh, have more discussion about that and you know get it included in more lists. Like, it's I think it probably might have been able to make like our hidden gems when we were doing that one back in the day, Kent. Except we don't think of it as a hidden gem because we saw it, you know, and we like it. But comparing it to the public perception of, you know, what's out there for horror, you know, it, you, again, you rarely see this being mentioned. It's kind of like, you know, everybody that sees Cube likes Cube. Everybody that likes, that sees Session 9 likes Session 9. I just feel that more people saw Phantasm than those other two, but probably not by much. I, I'm curious, do you guys think, uh, oh, Tans are Kevin's question, obviously I'm a fan of it, or else, you know, this wouldn't have been my choice for a franchise. So this is my fault. If anybody didn't like these podcasts, blame me. Um, I mean, compared to other major I, franchises. Though, I don't like, – all right. It's in the top 20 I, horror franchises for me, and it's probably higher up because the first three movies are well above average. And, you know, you look at horror franchises that hit, like – I don't know, you know, six to eight movies. How many, like, how many horror franchises even have three movies that you would consider good? I would consider Oblivion still good and watchable. So, this as a franchise, this holds up, especially if you consider percentage of movies that are good. Yeah, I mean, I w- I wouldn't say the quality really falls off to the point where I would say it was a bad movie until five, which unfortunately is the end, but. Yeah, even even Oblivion, I would have given it a C, you know, or like a you know seventy something. Uh, you know, I I liked Oblivion more than I liked like Nightmare on Elm Street five and six, but I like those both better than I like even the worst like Nightmare movie better than a uh, Ravager. Do you guys think uh, this is probably my last big question here? Do you think at some point or another some studio is going to try to take the chance and reboot this franchise? Can they? I mean, do do they do they have the reboot? rights? Reboot? Yeah, I think they'd have to buy them from. I, I assume Don owns most of the rights. I don't know about Phantasm Two. I, yeah. I assume Universal still does. Uh, so I would guess Universal yeah. would probably be the company that would make the most sense. But I don't know. Uh, you think? Oh, if he's if he's beefing with Universal, though, who knows? But yeah, that's where you get all of Universal's Peacock, and that's what they're on, with the exception of two. 
Which is funny, right? Yes, because that's the one that they own the rights to. Like, are they embarrassed of the one that they actually own? I, I, I think, I think at some point or another, is it a spite thing? They're like, we didn't release it in theaters. We're not putting it on Peacock. We have, we have way too many shitty, shitty movies on Peacock. We don't need another one, even though we own it. Fuck you. Like, even though we have the other four, <laughs> I, I'm hoping maybe, maybe it'll take Don actually dying and the rights go to his kids and maybe somebody pro i once again this is assuming that don is the owner i i have no idea but whoever the owner is i think at some point or another somebody's gonna have the idea you can make the original phantasm on a low budget like it doesn't have to be as low as the original of course or the equivalent i should say but or the last one i mean how much money do you really think it would take to remake Phantasm in today's money, it would probably be you could do that while on I don't know five million or less. Oh yeah, I mean, but like, which would I don't know? Would it lose its charm with that much money? You know, like would it work with say the budget that I don't know how much the, the Hellraiser boot reboot was. I- I think that's you know, a pretty like, good comparison right there. Hellraiser probably had a little bit more in, in its budget, but I think that's a pretty decent starting point or go just a little lower. I probably the I don't know, are you are you what are you really paying for? There wasn't a lot of sets like there wasn't there wasn't a lot going on in Phantasm. Like they keep revisiting the same places by and large. Uh, I th- Well, they would have to improve it, I think, you know. Uh, yeah, you're right. There's like a mausoleum and then there's like a house or a hotel or the bar and you know, the antique shop. Yeah, the, the car and the yeah yeah. yeah. Like so. I, maybe their budget might go for like one good actor. I don't know. I mean, replacing Angus Scrim is the end all be all question above everything else. I I would. You have to have somebody that can play that role. Tony Todd. Yeah, they have that look, dude. That'd be freaking yeah. awesome. I think it would have to be someone. I think it would have to be a discovery, like where someone who, uh, not a non-household name, uh, which I guess I'm saying that Tony Todd is, but he's got a lot more star. Pro- I think it would have to be a discovery, but you know, if Stephen um, Lang was taller, I think he could actually do it, but he's older too. If he was older, is he pretty older. old at this point? He is. I I don't think he's old enough to do the the tall man. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. I don't know. He's who he go go watch EFW Kevin and come back to me on that. <laughs> I think I think just uh, it's such a silent well, part. Let's put it like you this: want someone that you haven't heard a lot. Angus from. Angus like, Scrim was fifty three when he did the first Phantasm. Mm-hmm. And. Let's see how old Stephen Lang is. I don't know. I can't. He was find born him. in fifty-two. So he's so he's older. Yeah, he's he's way older at this point. He's seventy. No, he's seventy-one. No. Who? Stephen Lang is seventy-one. Wow. So okay. All right. I, yeah. I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I still want you to go see VFW, Kevin, but now for more entertaining purposes. Yeah. So, um, well, I want to add something. Uh, so I'm on one of my movie, uh, like movie pages on Facebook, movie groups on Facebook. Uh, the question was, 
best third installment of any franchise, and I watched Phantasm 3 that day. So I wrote, um, you know, I watched Phantasm earlier today, and it was pretty great. I don't know if it's the best third installment, but I did think, and it got uh, quite a few looks, and people were like, first thing that was written was one of the most underrated movie series is Phantasm. So it has its fans, and it has... Um, and it was kind of surprising, uh, just, just in generally of like, you know, of the big franchises and it being on your top 20, I would say it definitely is, but I remember just, you know, this was something that I always kind of like forgot about. And then when I watched Phantasm like six, say six years ago, or maybe even like four years ago, it was when I first, maybe even less than, but yeah, it was when I first started working at uh, the shelter and I worked overnights and you could sleep. So I just, I saw that phantasm was on voodoo the with commercials and that's how I watched it. Uh, you know, uh, re rewatching it at night and I was, you know, really, really impressed with it and uh, was excited to go through and watch the other two. And, and now to watch all five of them in a week, that was, you know, yeah, puts yeah. it to a whole other level because I I usually wait a year to watch the next one because sometimes you know we watched all five of them and five was you know didn't really it would have been rougher I don't know I don't know if it was rougher to watch it like within the week or if it would have been rougher if I didn't we didn't do Nightmare on Elm Street which was nine movies you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um. Yeah. Anyways, it was. I, I tried to go in with the best spirit. Yeah. It it does it does suck that it it wasn't um, at least just a little bit better with the directing and the the cinematography and the strength to it. But I think it was pretty good for a series that seems like it's been, you know, kicked down, kicked while it's down you know, its entire run. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our, our reviews of Phantasm. You guys got anything uh, just in general that you want to talk about since the, the last one that we've done? Kevin? Oh, all right. Well, I've been doing the um, uh, DC movies. I've been watching all of the the, I'm, I'm watching every single one, so I started with the Batman serials from 1943, and the oh, Batman geez. and Robin. Yeah, that was like three hours. Uh, it's on YouTube. It was pretty cool. Um, very dated with, uh, you know, towards the Japanese after, I'm guessing, after Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was, it had its political... Uh, stance and that, but that's kind of like what Captain America did back in the day, what they did with those comic books, uh, but definitely not as, as dated as this probably was, but Batman and Robin was pretty good, um, which was 1949. And those were the first, you know, some of the first comic book. I mean, I think Captain America had a serial in the thirties. Um, but besides that, I don't know. So it's kind of cool as like a film history type thing to go through. And then uh, what was after that would have been 
was it Wonder Woman? Um, I'm missing something. Yeah, Wonder. Oh, Superman and the Mole Men from the, 19, the 1950s, which was a one-hour film, which is the first theatrical superhero movie. That was that was kind of cool. Have you guys seen that with George Reeves? No. It has a quirky oh, no. B horror film. Uh, I I saw the I saw the I didn't see the original, but I saw the the story they made about yeah it, Hollywoodland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So the the Mole Men movie that was it was cool. Um, it was all right. And then the Batman with Adam West TV show that that was fun. And then. The two Wonder Woman movies, I have these extra Amazon credits, so I watched the 74 failed TV pilot, where I forgot her name, but uh, and then the next year they did another TV movie, which is actually the pilot to the Linda Carter series in 1975, so um, they're they're both cool. I I don't know if I'm going to continue to watch the whole Wonder Woman series, but uh, it's it's been fun to go from like the 40s to the 50s to the 60s to the 70s, and uh, next next will be uh, Superman by Richard Donner with Christopher Reeve. So I haven't seen that since I was a kid, and I'm like, it's, it's and it's sort of the reason I decided to do this because I've been like, tra- you know, like coming in 2017, like I'm gonna catch up with all these Marvel movies, I'm gonna catch up with all these DC movies, so. Um, to finally do that, now it's like, man, I do want to watch, like, I don't know, the original Superman movies, but because I felt so behind, but yeah, so I'm it's like, been a while since I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I know, that, like, you know, Marlon Brando was in the first Superman movie. I think people forget that sometimes. Um, yeah. Who was he? He played his dad. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so I'm excited for that. This is my Pocket. that's my big like cinema like his film history obsession where it'll keep me busy for a while. Um, and there's so much of it, and I'm excited because Swamp Thing is coming up, and I haven't seen that in a really really long time. Yeah, yeah Wes yeah, Craven it's been a long time since directed, I've seen that you know. So that's uh, it's cool, and I don't even remember that these were DC Comics, you know. Right? Uh, so there's there's a few there's a couple stretches in there but I'll you know I'll see what I can get in there. Uh, for new movies, I went and saw. I did not see Asteroid City yet, but I did see Mission Impossible Seven in the theater. Did you guys by chance get a chance to see that legally or illegally? I haven't been um, to the theater in a while. You yet. guys like the no, Mission so. Impossible movies, dude? This is this is oh, so I good. fucking love them. It's so good. I'm, it like yeah. actually lives up to the uh rotten tomatoes score of like 96 or 97 i was like it's probably not that good because some of the five and six were higher scored and and they were good but i think i don't know i really like three a lot and uh usually uh the odd number ones are the better ones you know one three five from from my perspective uh, and I, I love the whole. Yeah, like, I think. I think well, I think weakest. two is the weakest. <laughs> and well, well, two, two is two is a very specific uh, movie, though. You know, like if if you're not a fan of John um, Woo, of uh, what the hell's his name? Yes, thank you. If you're not a John Woo fan, 
you're not going to like it, especially if you like coming from Brian De Palma. But if you're a John Woo fan, it's like a, a great example uh, of, of that time. Movie. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, like, I think even some so, John Woo fans weren't even happy with yeah. that one. Um, but it is, yeah. It, I, I so I watched it not that long ago, and 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 I didn't like it. And then I saw it on the hotel, and I saw it in parts, and I was like, you know, it's so bad, it's good, and like the bad action, but fun over the top. It's it's pretty ridiculous though. Um. It's the least serious. I I, w- I think four is probably the most overrated one, though. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mission Impossible Seven rules. So I was I was it was the first time I saw a Mission Impossible movie in the theater, uh, or even the first time, and I was actually blown away by it. And not, you know, I don't know. I thought it was going to be good, but it was it was great. Uh, so I was. Definitely worth worth checking out. Worth the three hours, you know, to see it in the theater too. It's a long time for an action movie, but yeah, that's what I've been up to more or less. So, I personally haven't seen anything new. Um, well, I've been I've been watching TV. Like I, I finally caught up on Justified, and I'm. All caught up on uh, City Primeval so far. Uh, that's basically been it. Uh, I've been playing a lot of video games, like between Remnant Two coming out and then Baldur's Gate Three releasing. You know, like week week by week, back to week. You know, I've been doing a hell of a lot of just that and catching up on some uh, some of my reading that I fell behind on too. So uh, that's where most of my stuff has been, besides watching Phantasm stuff this week. I am curious if. You guys have seen any of either, um, what are the, the three horror movies that are out now? Uh, talk to me. Uh, Peter one, The Last Voyage of Demeter. Shit, what's the third one? Yes. If, if you guys have seen any of those three. No, I what wanted was the to see Demeter and I wanted to see Talk to Me. Cobweb? I haven't even heard of that. Least. I just haven't. Cobweb? It's got a. Anthony Starr and Lizzie yeah, Kaplan. No, I don't know that one. Um, I'll, I'll add to the list. Add to the list. Uh, it is in theater. To yeah, it's in theaters I, right now. It's an eighty-four um, horror film. I'm interested in it, but I. Uh, no. Yeah. All, all all three of them I've seen good reviews for, and all three of them I've also seen. My dad texted me today. He went and saw The Last Voyage of Demeter, and he was telling me about it. He said it was pretty good. I don't think it was as good as he was hoping it was going to be, because that's kind of like – that's the kind of horror films he, he really likes. There's like, you know, I want to say throwback to Universal, but, you know, it is the original Nosferatu and – he was excited for the story. I think he said yeah. it dragged a little bit. I'm probably putting words in his mouth, but that was kind of what I read from from it. But uh, but still, well done. So, gotcha. What about you, Kent? Um. All right. So I've kind of done. Well, I've done a lot of like you with the fucking video games because. This is the greatest video game calendar year possibly ever. I mean, at least since the SNES Genesis days, like, 
It's, yeah, it's, Every it's been month insane. it seems like something. And, and shit, we got Starfield and Liza P next month? Yeah. Dude, uh, like, I I never even got a character to 100 in Diablo. Like, I liked the game, but eventually I was just like, I feel like I'm just grinding for the sake of grinding. And when Remnant came out, I was just like, oh, this is... A, it's more challenging, and B, I'm having more fun trying to, like, figure out the secrets. Like, me and Eric have played a lot on, like, afternoons and weekday, and usually, I, I, I since he won't be hearing this, I can give him credit. Usually he's a better gamer, and usually probably better at figuring out puzzles, but this is my fucking wheelhouse. You've been carrying him? Like some- <laughs> you're saying you're the one who's carrying Eric? <laughs> no, he's still playing better than me. Oh. I'm figuring out the secrets, gotcha, though. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so I got the intellectual going on. Uh, no, we're probably e- oh, yeah, we're probably about even, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I haven't even had a chance to play a lot of Lawnmower Simulator, and that's bringing me down. That's usually my chill uh, thing. But aside from games, I actually just today I, I feel that both of you will appreciate. I just got uh, four rooms. It was on sale for five bucks. Did they? It was like. Not, did they misbehave? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good DVD? movie that I don't or know. Official. I feel like doesn't ever get enough appreciation. So uh, to see it for five bucks, I was like, yes, I'll definitely buy it. Um, as far as digital, it's on uh, Voodoo for the weekend for five bucks. <clears throat> there was other things, but I was like, yeah, nothing's better than four rooms on this maybe list. So. Um, I watched two series. I watched Killing It, which is on Peacock. Um, I only ended up watching it because it was on after Monday Night Raw, and I just, my DVR picked up the whole damn thing, and I was busy playing on my computer, and suddenly I was like, I don't even find Craig Robinson all that funny, but the show kind of got me. So I ended up just binge-watching it over 24 hours on Peacock, and I'm not recommending it. I will say, if you want, try the first episode. It may draw you in. It may not. It's just kind of an uneven series. Some episodes are funny as hell, and other ones kind of just lull. But it's getting a second season, so I, I guess maybe people probably liked it probably more than I did. Um, there's an Australian girl that's clearly like the star of the show, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but immediately after that... You know, I didn't stop it after the 10th or 8th episode. I think it was 10 episodes. And Twisted Metal just started playing. That fucking... That is a series I I really... I'm not asking people to watch it. I'm demanding people watch it. Really? If you like this podcast, then fucking watch Twisted Metal. Take fucking, whatever, five hours of your life or whatever, and just watch the fucking series. Have a great time. Appreciate Anthony Mackie for being as funny as he is. Uh... Fucking appreciate Samoa Joe as Sweet Tooth with, uh, what's his Joe face? Joe uh, God, I can't remember who does his voice now. Uh, uh shit, um, is it, uh, Will, um, what's his name? Arnett. Yeah. Will Arnett. Yeah, like, it's, it's just a really good, if you like, uh, I don't know if any of you ever watched, uh, on sci-fi, I don't even know how long ago it was. It was probably within the past decade. It was something called Blood Drive. This is similar, but has a bigger, bigger names and 
you know, probably a little bit more identifiable uh, storyline. Uh, still, highly recommend Twisted Metal. I, I actually want to go back and rewatch it. That's how much I enjoyed it. Uh, as far as movies go, I just watched Super Mario Brothers. Two, yeah, like last Sunday, watched it. Um, it was good. I'm glad I didn't drop fifteen dollars to buy it. Like, it's it's a movie I'll watch again at some point, but eh, like it, it was good. It just I don't know. I I don't think I think a lot of people overhyped it, and it was just a perfectly good, entertaining movie. It wasn't anything above expectations. It wasn't below expectations. It was spot on, and I had a good time with it. I'm happy I saw it. And when it hits, I don't know. Six or seven dollars, I'll probably buy it then. Uh, watched Feast again. That movie's still okay, but you know, it's starting to feel like a movie that is of its time frame, uh, which was like the early to mid 2000s. Still fun, but a little dated at this point. Um, and finally, that same night we watched Feast, we watched on Shudder. Uh, Korean movie, I want to say, called The Sadness. Um, if you really like, you know, ultra violence and some really fucked up shit. Yep, I do. Tell I, me about it. it. I mean, Kevin, anytime that guy can take a, a, a woman who has her eye cut out because he cut her eye out and then later on finds her and then literally fucks her eye socket. I think I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking terms that you can appreciate here. What's this called again? <laughs> the Sadness? The Sadness. It's on show. Okay. Uh, 2021, it, huh? It, it's like a Is rage a virus. Yeah, it's it's like 2022, I want to say, came out. or t- Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's a rage virus, though, where... I feel like the people infected still have like some kind of memories, so it's not like 28 days later, for example. Yeah. But these people do go crazy. They lose their shit. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say it's great, but if you just want a batshit, violent, crazy-ass movie with a rage virus, you, you know, this is a fun little treat if that sort of movie appeals to you. Dude, it was written and directed by a dude named Rob Jabez. It was, yeah. Jebbers. <laughs> 6.4 on IMDb, which is pretty good. For a movie like that, that's really good, I, I would say, because a lot of the stuff people usually just shit all over. But... 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's like B+, plus, I... almost A- minus territory. And that, Dude, it, it's fun. For Shudder, and I love this, Shudder gives it a 4.4 out of 5, which is like, they're like, this is... <laughs> This is this is really good, like like almost near perfection, almost near. Um, yeah, like it's slightly better than Skinamarink, slightly. Oh no, it's got to be way better than Skinamarink. <laughs> Skinamarink is no longer the worst film I've seen of the year. Um, actually, um, which it's not that it's a that I think it's a bad movie. It's just not a really good movie. And it was kind of like overrated. And it's, I don't know. Like, I like, I like movies that are slow and kind of do experimental things for like a low budget. But, um, yeah, it's, 
I mean, the movie that was worse than it is The Locksmith. I saw it on Hulu with Ryan Felipe, Ving Rhames, and Kate Bosworth. It's it's just so bland, generic kind of crime thriller, like what you would see in like the 90s, early 2000s, but like just bland. Um, when was the last time Ving Rhames was like actually relevant, I guess? Because I love Ving Rhames, but... Every, every single feels- time uh, Mission Impossible... I was just going to say last Sunday when I saw Mission <laughs> Impossible, it was great. Shit, okay, I, I don't, I've only ever seen one... I own, I think, like that's the first it. six or seven because I got a dirt cheap, but I've only seen part two, I think. Oh my god, Kent, what, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm, I'm, we just literally, we, we just literally got through saying that that's like one of the two weakest ones in the the series. I'm so, I w- I went with some college friends. That was a year I went to like the theater like every fucking week, and that was a week I didn't really have a say in it. So it was like, oh okay, Tom Cruise dude, movie. Yeah. Dude, did we see it together? It came out in 2000. I was still living up there then. I mean, that's entirely <laughs> possible. <laughs> kind of, did we go with like Eric? That's all, I kind of thought like like that was happened. it might have been, but. That, that's entirely yeah. possible. I, I definitely remember seeing it. I was just like, okay, like I'll go along. Like I, I mean, it didn't look like it was a bad movie. It just usually I have like my set of criteria when I go to a theater for what I want. But if I don't have a say in it, then I'm usually good with going ahead with things. Uh, I've never really thrown a hissy fit. I've I've been pissed off a few times, mainly at what dreams may come and in dreams. The two dream movies, Dude. fuck them both. <laughs> what dreams may come was a letdown. It, I didn't think it was like super horrible, but it, it it looked like it was gonna be so much better than it was. In dreams, I still don't know what the fuck I watched. I I don't either. I I watched them both one time, and I walked out of the theater, not like raging bad, but I was like, you know, if there was ever a time I could just request my money back for dissatisfaction. In dreams, you saw in the theater. Yeah, I saw both both uh, dream yeah. movies. In the what dreams may come was way did. overrated. Like some people, it's like their favorite movie, like one of their favorite Robin Williams movies. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel it. It did have you know a visual aspect to it that I could see. I think that's what kind of like glossed people over with it. But the trailer was good. The trailer made it seem like it was going to be a much better movie, in my opinion, which is what a trailer should do, don't get me wrong, but it had Max von Sydow. Of course I was pumped. You know, it took... Funny, this is a true story. It would take until Paranormal Activity came out to then replace Worst Movie I Saw in a Theater, and why this is relevant is because I was in the middle of Phantasm 3 or 4 at that point. I was watching with my friend Ron. We were doing a marathon, and we talked ourselves into paranormal activity instead of finishing the Phantasm franchise as it was That's a at terrible, that terrible idea. Oh, yeah. I have plenty of regrets. That's really high yeah. up on that list. Um, but, yeah, that that's what I've seen, and... On a funny note, um, Chris, I think I found a Christmas gift for you. Oh, interesting. That just screamed, Chris. <laughs> Does it say Chris on it somewhere? It says, it says Christmas. <laughs> I'll have to check. <laughs> I, I, I saw it. I was like, I can't believe this fucking thing exists. All right. 
So interesting. That was my response upon seeing that it existed. So that's all you that's all you need to know. Well thank you. That's that's nice to know. Uh you're not gonna be thanking me after. Oh. Yeah. As long as it's not a giant praying mantis, I'll be good. No, believe it or not, it's not that. Okay, cool. Okay, I can live with that then. All right. Well, oh, I did see anything else. We I want did to get see into? Uh, yeah. a Shutter original, uh, a new movie, Consecration, with Jenna Malone and Danny Houston. It was it was okay. It's on the bottom four. Oh. It looked like it was going to be better. Consecration. I just watched uh, American Horror Story Freak Show for just something to do while playing Remnant. And Danny Houston, well, he's more relevant in third season, but he's still in it. And he's, like, one of my favorites. Yeah, he's, so, he's all right in it. He's, he's good. He's not, like, you know, he's not, like, uh, 30 Days a Night great, which is one of my favorite performances of him. Ooh, yeah, and and he really made made. Uh, there's a lot of elements I really like that movie too, and uh, and actually it's the movie that like made me remember Danny Houston because when I'd hear his name and be like, "Who's that guy?" and I'd be like, "Look at his movies," be like, "Nope, nope." Thirty Days a Night. All right, I remember him. <laughs> oh God. Are, I I have to ask: Are either of you? Did either of you guys ever watch like a season of American Horror? The first season. Uh. Okay. I watched a little bit on and off because my wife it was one of the ones where she started it, and I gotcha. I was like, eh, you know, just like the parts of the first season I saw, I was like, this doesn't look like something I'd be like. It's on my Hulu to go back and watch it because you know, enough people like I've I've saw your podcast, your podcast, your blogs about it, and enough people have said stuff over the years that it, you know, it sounds like it's at least worth a watch. But um, yeah. I mean, some see my my experience is that everybody has like their own different like top three seasons. Um, I, I guess I was just asking because one of the weird things that would probably venture into spoiler territory is that somebody in one of the seasons has wooden legs, but. They do close-ups, at least twice in the season. They did close-ups where the ankle was bending, and this takes place, like, in the 1940s. So I can't imagine, like, there was, like, much of a swivel for the ankle. And I have been dwelling on this for well over a week, trying to figure out, like, what the purpose behind it was. So if anybody's listening and watched Freak Show, contact me. Let me know what the fuck's going on with the fucking wooden legs and the ankles being able to bend the way that they do. Because oh, you don't just show a close-up of that. Like, you could just cut that out. What was I that? saw parts of Freak Show. Was Neil Patrick Harris in that? Yeah, yeah. He's in, like, yeah, the last I, two episodes. I was or My three. girlfriend at the time, when that was out, was watching it. So I saw parts of it, and I watched... It seemed interesting. Um, I always heard that season two is not very good. But if I were to, but I would probably love it. That's what I've heard. Um, they're like, I bet you would like it. Like, ah. And I'd be like, oh. And then they'd be like, Coven's cool. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, is that the one you told me I should watch? They're like, no, I told you to watch the one that I wouldn't like, that I didn't like. And I was like, oh. that one. <laughs> I I can see you actually liking Asylum. wasn't bad, but it's not in my 
I, my my top three are is season one, three, and five. So Murder House, Coven, and Hotel. Uh, but Asylum and Freak Show have their hits and misses, and then the series kind of gets a little tragic. One for a bit. really, but. With that being said, because I saw one, and it was, I always heard it just got, it was, it was better later on. Because I liked, I liked one. It was fun. I didn't understand that it was. I don't. What is it? An anthology series? Yeah, it's just a ten episode. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't understand that because that wasn't really a big thing back then. I couldn't really think of anything. Like like an anthology where all of the episodes in one season were one thing. I guess Fargo does that, and around the same time, and that's kind yes. of how I I make make sense of it. Um, now I under, understand it, but uh, so when it ended, I just thought, why would I watch the? It just it has an end. It it feels done, and I never. Um, quite understood it until, you know, I think Freak Show, and then when that was on, people were telling me, you know. It, it hit, like, peak popularity because Jessica Lang was doing her final season of Part 4, and then, like, the series and the regulars started drifting off, like, after Hotel. Like, they did Roanoke, and that season kind of bombed, and they stopped doing it. Uh, a lot of them just left. And now we're at a point where Kim Kardashian is starring in the new season and it looks like shit. Yeah, I'm so, really not excited for that one. No, I, I haven't watched the last two seasons and I'm not looking forward which, to this season. Which season so. was Lady Gaga in? Because eh. Hotel. She was in Hotel and oh, then yeah. she was also in Rome. So she won the Golden Globe in Three Hotel, Street. though. Because everyone, that was like, I remember no one could shut up about how good she was in that. She was okay, and it just she was super popular, and everybody's like, "Oh, she can sing and yeah. act! Wow, what a!" Talent. I like her Give now. Her she awards. hasn't really done a lot of, of movies, I, or actually a lot since that. Besides, you know, because she is this. Oh, well, she did. Uh, she, she, she did. Um, what's yeah. it called Stars Born House and of then, Gucci. Uh, That's it. What was it? House of Gucci. Yeah. You know, and and then. Yeah, I mean, she has talent. It's just you know. When she won that stuff, I think it was peak popularity. It, it, it was sometimes, you know, how they feel like a little bit of a popularity yeah, contest. Yeah, she beat Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst you know? for Fargo that year. I was, like, so pissed off about it. I was like... I'm okay with that. But I haven't, I haven't seen that season of Fargo. I just don't... Oh, man, dude, she's so good so. in it. It's like the... It, it's unreal how good she is. Um, she really kind of comes into her own. She's not just... I don't know, like, this, you know, she's in, I don't know, like, the version Suicide, she's good in, but she kind of plays a certain character, but she plays this Midwestern housewife that gets in way over her head with her now husband or uh, baby daddy, anyways, Jesse Plemons, as her husband in the show, it's, you know, two yeah, Which it's so it? good. Was it's it two? my favorite okay. season of the series. But I haven't made it to four yet. Gotcha. I'm still working on three again. But Gotcha. All right, that's all I got to offer. Yeah. I know we're probably just fucking right now at this point. All right, guys. Well, next month, 
when we come back for episode 50, we'll be going over the series Hannibal. And the month after that, we will be discussing the top horror icons in the horror, uh, I guess, genre. Um, again, thanks for picking this one, Kent. I'm glad we got a chance to revisit some of my favorite horror movies from my youth. And you guys have a good one. Thank you. Yeah, you guys. too. It's been a pleasure.